Hello, everybody. This is Taylor Florio. You can call me Tayflo, and I am recording my first ever episode of Malaprops and Moxie podcast. My hope is just to tell you a little bit about me, definitely how I got to this moment, and what the hell the word malaprop means, because I know everyone that I've explained this word to has had a little bit of confusion on what it is. So sit back, enjoy the ride, and thank you for tuning in. So again, my name's Taylor. I grew up in Florida, born and raised in the 239. When I graduated college, it was the beginning of the recession, and not a lot of people were hiring recent college graduates. So it was really hard to find a job, and I didn't really feel like I wanted to stay in Florida. You know, like Florida, if you're not on spring break or you're not retired, there's really no place for you. And I just felt like I needed to get out, but I didn't know where I was going to go. And a good friend of mine um, that went to a university in West Palm Beach was like, Tay, I found this program that gives work visas to recent college graduates and you can work in a number of different countries. She's like, would you want to go? And I was like, yes. Do you even have to ask? And I'm a very adventurous kind of like at, off the seat of my pants kind of see that's a malaprop right there like what even does that mean anyways I'm usually one to say yes pretty quickly and so when she proposed that to me I was like 100% let's do it so the company essentially you, you apply for it you have to prove that you are a recent college grad and you choose the length of time that you want to be in that country in the country of your choice and then they send you a visa if you're approved and so myself my sister Sarah my friend Renee, and then her friend Tiffany, we all applied for this visa and we all got it. And so because all of us were graduating college around the same time, we decided we were all going to move to London, England and live abroad and <laughs> figure life out and see what happens. So I graduated college, got the visa and knew that I needed to stock up on money because at the time, because of the recession, the American dollar was double no, I'm sorry. It was $2 to the British pound. So our money had to work twice as harder to be worth, you know, one pound over in Great Britain. So I got a job at a racket club in Fort Myers and I did all the things. I was selling tennis skirts. I was ordering uniforms. I was restringing rackets. I was, I don't even know, giving out tennis cans, like doing all the th tennis cans, tennis balls cans of tennis balls um, to all the members. And it was just like I was I was hustling as much as I could so that I could get as much money in my bank account as I needed to be prepared to kind of move to the UK. And so finally, the time came for my plane ticket and my sister and I, we flew to London and we went over there. Check this out. No job, no place to live, but we had money in the bank. Actually, we had cash. Do we have cash? I think we got an account with Barclays because they have like a, an affiliation with Bank of America. But that's literally all we had. We had our visa, our money, and that's about it. And we got so many questions going into customs because people were like, wait, why are you here? And we're like, oh, well, we're working. And then they would ask us where we were working. And we're like, well, we don't know yet. We're going to find a job. And it's so funny how naive I was back then. You know, as a recent college grad, I thought I was following the rules and I had everything kind of lined up, but these people in customs are like, are you crazy? Like, you're just going to come over here without a job or a place to live. Like, you have no proof of residency. And the only thing I could prove was that 
I had the visa and then I had a one week's booking accommodation at a hostel, which I'm sure looks real legit, you know, to the customs people. But luckily they let us through. Phew, that was that was a close one. And so the first week, me and my sister, we hit the streets and we just started looking for jobs. We would do like touristy stuff here and there. And then we would apply for jobs. We'd walk into random businesses like coffee shops and clothing stores and we'd give them our CV and tell them about our experience. But fun fact, like not a lot of people want to hire Americans who are not from the country that you're in and have a visa where you're essentially going to work for a few months and then leave. So that was really hard. But I ended up getting an interview. I saw a job posting for a Westminster bookshop staff. And I was like, okay, I can, I've worked retail before. I've worked in coffee shops. I've worked at a Hallmark before. Like I could do that. It's a bookstore, easy peasy. So I sent in my application and I sent in my art. Oh my gosh, what's it called? Resume. And they responded and were like, Hey, we'd love to interview you. Um, when could you come in? And so I, you know, give them the date and I was like, I'm literally available anytime because <laughs> I don't have a job. And so she's like, great, come on in um, on this date and this time. I will like let you know where we're located. She's like, we're just on the north side of the Abbey. And I'm thinking like, I thought this was just like Westminster, the borough and like a little bookstore. I uh, Abbey like and so I started putting two and two together and I realized this job interview was at Westminster Abbey, like the church where all the people are buried and where everyone gets married and crowned and coronations and Battle of Britain services and all sorts of crazy famous stuff. So I kind of freaked out a little bit and it was really exciting. But um, I went in for my interview and they offered me the job. And what's really cool is after my interview, my sister, Sarah, literally the best sister on earth. She sat outside of the Abbey the entire time I was in my interview, just like sitting there. So thank you, sis, for supporting me during that time. But I remember I got out of the interview and I I have a photo of me in front of Parliament, like before I went into my interview and I was wearing this god awful like vest with like a short sleeve button up with like puffy shoulders I will post that to my Instagram so that you guys can see <laughs> what that looks like but I don't know I was looking real fresh it was back in like 2008 or 2007 so like give me a break but I thought I was styling anyway so Sarah and I meet back up and I'm like I think it went well it was great so we go walking around we're like oh let's go see Shakespeare's Globe Theater so we're wandering around Shakespeare's Globe Theater and I get a call from the folks at the Abbey and they essentially said, hey, you got the job. So I was like, oh, my God, I got a job. So that was great. So I ended up working 40 hours a week nonstop at Westminster Abbey. And if any of you guys have traveled to London um, and you tour the Abbey, you actually walk through the Abbey with your little, you know, earpiece, like telling you all the stories. And then the way that you end the tour is through the bookshop. And so the purpose for that is so obviously you buy CDs from the boys choir or shot glasses of the Abbey, <laughs> like random things that, you know, tourists want. And so that was my job. I had to sit behind the counter and essentially like check people out or help them um, sell tapestries, all sorts of fun things. And so I did that for a living um, <laughs> for a few months, six months ish um, in London after college. And it was honestly one of the scariest but most amazing things in my entire life. I got to meet so many different people and I got to live and do so many different things during that time. And I was making British pounds. So when I came back to the U.S., I was essentially, I doubled my money. 
So that was a really fun experience. And maybe I'll go into more detail about my London escapades with a few guests that I experienced that with later on. So tune in for that. When I got back from London, all I could think about was Florida is not the place for me and I don't want to live here. No offense to anyone who lives in Florida, like to each his own. But for for me, it was not going to be the place where I was going to spend the rest of my life. I did not relate to the culture. I wanted more. I had traveled so much, you know, in high school and in college and saw so many different places that I was like, there is got to be, (laughs) there's got to be a better spot. So because of the money that I had accumulated working in London, I was able to essentially like cash that all out and put it into US dollars. And it was a decent amount of money. So even though I didn't have a job when I got back from my working abroad, I definitely had a good buffer to kind of buy me some time. And so I was like, all right, where am I going to go? I picked three cities that I thought I could live in. And those three cities were Charlotte, North Carolina, Boulder, Colorado, and Portland, Oregon. And I made sure that those cities were places that I had friends where I could go visit and that I would at least know one person who could kind of show me the ropes and like, I don't know, give me a little tour. So I decided to go to Charlotte first because it was the closest. And I had a really good friend that I had through college who was getting his master's there. And I was like, yo, can I come hang out with you for a couple of weeks and like get to know Charlotte? And he was like, yeah, come on. So I stayed with them and was able to meet a ton of different people, like all of his friends. I was really involved in Young Life at the time. And so I was able to like get introduced to all the Young Life people. And my friend was dating a girl at the time who's now his wife. And she and I hit it off really well. Thank God. (laughs) She's one of my best friends now. But anyways, she was really great and introduced me to like all of her girlfriends. And so literally in these two weeks, I was really just kind of like hanging out. And I, in those two weeks, I was able to find a full-time job. I found a house in Elizabeth to live in, and I found two roommates to live with. And I just thought that, like, never would that ever happen that easily if I wasn't supposed to be here. So I took that as a sign of, like, all right, I think I'm meant to be in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I decided to call my mom. I said, Mom, I found a job. I found a house. I found roommates. I am moving to Charlotte. And she was like a little shocked, but really happy for me. She's also a very adventurous spirit. And so I flew home and we rented a van and I packed up everything that I owned, which luckily when you're in high school and college, you don't really accumulate a lot. So it was really easy to stuff it all in a van. And we drove up to Charlotte in February of 2009 and I moved to the Queen City. And I've literally been here ever since. I just celebrated, well, I'll celebrate 11 years this coming February. Um, And since then, you know, I've bought a house. I've obviously loved the city and made so many friends. And I don't see myself leaving anytime soon because the QC is, it's just the best. I love the Queen City. If you live here, you know what I mean. And if you don't live here, please come visit. I'm happy to host. So that's kind of how I ended up in Charlotte. (sighs) It was a long adventure, but I'm so happy to be here. All right. So (laughs) since moving to Charlotte, I've found myself at a co-working space because of my current job. I work for a university that is not located in North Carolina, so I have to work remotely. And that remote job, you know, working from home, I will definitely do an episode on this. So if you guys are curious about what it's like to work from home or if you work from home yourself, 
I'll have guests on that can definitely talk to this, but I am a seven on the Enneagram. I'm an extreme extrovert. I literally get my energy from people and I could not sit at home all day, every day. It was, it was brutal. Like not having human interaction was almost making me like less efficient. So I shopped around for co-working spaces. Someone had told me about Huga, and I came to tour and me and the owner, Garrett, we hit it off really well. His personality and my personality, I think, <laughs> just kind of meshed. He had the same weird humor. And anyway, so I decided to join and I've been working at Huga for three years now as a member. Um, and it has been absolutely wonderful. I would love to tell you more about Huga at a later time, but just want to give them a shout out. It's probably the best co-working space in the whole wide world. I'm just going to say that right out. Um, yeah, so at Huga, there's a podcast studio and I've, for the past year and some months, I've actually trained all of the people who want to use the podcast on how to use the equipment. So it's just like a little part-time gig for me. It's a way to help out Huga and a way for me to make some extra cash. But I've been doing this training and I swear to y'all, like every time I would sit down with a table full of people, they would always be like, well, Tay, Tay Flo, what is the name of your podcast? And I'd be like, I don't really have a podcast. So it was super weird just like having to tell people what to do and how to podcast, but not being able to say that I have one myself. And so started thinking about like, could I start a podcast? What could it be about? What are, what do people want to listen to? And at the end of the day, like, I love that people are listening, but this is for me. This is for, this is a way that I can kind of capture and document stories in my life, in my friends' lives, so that I can have them forever and ever. And my hope is that people will listen to the pod and like get something from it, be able to relate to it. Maybe it's a stress reliever, 20 to 30 minutes of your day, and you can move on with your life. So the the name that I came up with is Malaprops and Moxie. And Malaprops and Moxie is two words that have come up in my life a lot. And a lot of people don't really know those two terms, or at least it's not terms that are used all the time. But <laughs> so a Malaprop is when it's technically a Malapropism, and it's when someone uses a word incorrectly that sounds very similar to what the word was supposed to be. So let's give an example. Um, One time I was hosting a 27th birthday party and I was doing this video invite and I like scripted it all and it was going to be like really funny. And I popped up and I was like, hey guys, it's Taylor. In lieu of turning 27, I am throwing a party, da, 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 da. And my friend Julia pops in and is like, busting out laughing and she's like Taylor you said in lieu of and I was like yeah so and she's like it's in honor of I was like oh my god I'm such an idiot so like my brain knew that it was in honor of my my mouth just decided to say in lieu of so that's a good example of a malaprop another one that I've heard people say is um like Jesus healed the leopards leopards are animals but really it's lepers um another one is we dance the flamingo that's incorrect. It's the flamenco. So you guys get what I mean. So that's a malaprop. Moxie is really kind of a characteristic of a personality where if you have, I don't know, like the drive, the dedication, the determination for something, like you've got that moxie. And so a lot of people have described that, use that word to describe me. Um, And so I thought, you know, malaprops and moxie, why not? 
And so the concept is, concept is when malaprops happen in real life and the moxie that gets us through. So when has there been a time where I have gone into a situation with a certain expectation and then it's ended up turning out differently? Or when have I thought something was going to go one way, but it ended up being another? And so that's kind of where the concept of the podcast came from. And really, it's just going to be stories. It's going to be stories from me, from my friends, about things that happen in real life, anything from dating to relationships to roommates to buying homes to having kids to moving to changing jobs. I mean, you name it, like any concept that has a story behind it, there's always an opportunity for a quote unquote malaprop to happen in real life. So that is what the hope is for the podcast. And I've had a lot of friends support me in this, which I'm really appreciative of. Um, My music has been produced by Young Citizen. If you guys don't know about him, you should. You can find him on Instagram at Young Citizen, Y-U-N-G Citizen. If you all have a story that you want to share or you have a good example of a malaprop, please send them my way. You can find me on Instagram at malaprops and moxie. That's malaprops and moxie. Love for you to give me a follow. Would love for you to subscribe. Um, Yeah, just thanks for listening. This means a lot and I couldn't do it without you guys. I really appreciate you and I'm going to leave you with a malaprop of the day. This podcast is going to be so hot, I'm going to have to use a fire distinguisher. (laughs) I shouldn't have done that. Anyways, have a good day, guys. See you next time. This episode of Malaprops and Moxie was recorded at the Huga Coworking Podcast Studio. You can find them online at wearehuga.com, and that's spelled H-Y-G-G-E. The music was recorded and produced by Young Citizen. Thanks so much for listening, and don't forget to subscribe and write a review.